0: Welcome to the Thoughtful Gamer Podcast, episode number 82. As always, my name is Mark, here with me today is Amber.
1: Hello, everyone.
0: And we're going to be talking about Reiner Knizia. Unfortunately, Reiner Knizia is not here, but his games are here. They're all around us.
1: Also, Mark is in a very goofy mood.
0: They're everywhere. Look, there's a game. There's a game. There's three, two or three over there because we've been playing them. All Reiner Knizia games. He is our most prolific board game designer. He's made over six hundred games.
1: Six hundred.
0: Six hundred. He makes games left and right.
1: But you've only rated what? Don't... Ten of them. <laughs> Shh.
0: Look, we got to talk about Reiner Knizia at some point, right? How many, how many games of Reiner Knizia do I have to play before I can talk about him on the podcast? Fair. Okay, so We I've have done,
1: enough to talk about. There are plenty of good games on here.
0: I've done. A, I've rated 11 of his games, and I don't think I'm missing any. To be fair, three of those are the same game. <laughs> so really it's...
1: <laughs> seven. Really, It's eight. nine. <laughs> oh, nine?
0: Yeah, because you get rid of two of those three. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, okay. so okay. really nine games. Anyways, I'm excited about Reiner uh, I I'm realizing now that if I label this podcast, like title it, Reiner Knizia, people are going to think that I scored an interview with Reiner Knizia, which is kind of hard to do, and I haven't, Uh, so sorry if you're listening for that, Uh, but Amber and I have been playing lots of Reiner Knizia games, and we're going to talk about them as a designer. So, I think the first thing I want to talk about is the unfair reputation that Reiner Knizia gets, and I don't know if you're aware of this reputation amber
1: okay well before you say he has a reputation let me say something about his games okay and then maybe it will kind of get at his reputation
0: maybe you're one of them
1: maybe i think his games have the perfect mixture of luck and strategy to make it a fun and engaging game at all times satisfying even if you lose even if you lose to a someone else's lucky draw
0: that's a very good. I mean, why would he n- not? Why would I be mad at that reputation? I mean, that's true.
1: Okay, but, I, but I'm used to playing with you and Orion and a couple others who don't like the element of luck as much in your games. And I oh, love yeah, it. I don't
0: know about that.
1: Okay, okay, okay.
0: Our favorite games are all lucky. Except for, uh, I mean, even Spirit Island has a lot of luck. Does it? What's our favorite, like, super low luck game? Through the ages, maybe?
1: Hmm. Okay, well...
0: I mean, like, Twilight, both the Twilights have good amounts of luck.
1: No. Gloomhaven does. Uh, okay, well, Reiner Knizia executes it perfectly, and I enjoy his games. Okay,
0: here's, here's the Reiner Knizia reputation from certain very influential board game people. Who will not go name, but are perhaps the most influential board game people.
1: So everyone knows who you're talking about. Oh, the, e- yeah. except me. Maybe. They know
0: <laughs> who I'm talking about. Uh, the reputation is that Reiner Knizia is makes math games that are themeless and mathy and uh, have no excitement to them.
1: Wait, really? Yeah. Okay. Well, well first of all, maybe it, I haven't I mean, played. Part of
0: it plays into the fact that he is a mathematician.
1: Okay, well, I haven't played that many of or his games. Or at least games. a math
0: teacher. I'm not sure. He he does have his PhD. That's why he's the good doctor.
1: Okay, well, we're definitely going to have to talk about this then because I have a love-hate relationship with math. But I don't think this is earned from the games that I have played.
0: Okay, well, let's go through the, the games. Um, here are the 11 I've played. So the three that are the same game are Battle Line, Battle Line Medieval, and Shot and Totten. The only difference with Shot and Totten is that, besides the art, is that the cards go 1 through 9 instead of 1 through 10. Oh,
1: you told me about this. Yeah, yeah. so
0: it's the same game. Uh, I've also played Modern Art, Lost Cities, The Quest for El Dorado, Through the Desert, Stevenson's Rocket, My City, Babylonia, and Medici, the card game. And, and I will say, I, I've, I've arrived at the brilliance of Reiner Knizia late. There are many of his like, all-time classics that I haven't yet played, uh, most notably would be Tigris and Euphrates. Uh, and then the rest of the of the auction games other than modern art. So uh, High Society, Raw, and... Are those the only other two? Those would be the three games of his, I think, that are like super notable that I haven't yet played. Actually, let me look that up. What are his other super, super notable games? So in terms of... How often? How many times they've been rated on Board Game Geek? The ones I haven't played are Tigers and Euphrates, Raw, Ingenious. I forgot about that one. I think I was supposed to get a review copy of that at some point. Uh, Samurai, which I think is similar to Babylonia, uh, the the original Lord of the Rings game, which doesn't sound that fun. Uh, High Society, Amon Ray, Blue Moon, and then we get to probably what what people consider, I think, lesser. Or like second tier Canizias. So the, yeah, those would be the big ones I haven't played. Uh, but regardless, I, I've played a, a decent number of them. Uh, I believe Amber has played all the ones I listed except for El Dorado, Through the Desert, and Stevenson's Rocket.
1: Yes. I, I I don't object to playing any of these except maybe Stevenson's Rocket. And I think it's just because Mark tried to get me to play it so hard over so many days.
0: Amber, it's so good.
1: And now that so much pressure has been placed on me to play it, it's I have so no good. interest. It may be my favorite. Really? Yes. It doesn't sound very interesting. It's
0: so good, Amber.
1: Okay. It's so
0: good. It's one of those games where you have no good choices. Well, I don't constantly. like those games. And it's 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 it's, it's all about tempo. It's all about finding... I know,
1: I know. The way you've described this to me while trying to get me to play it is probably the opposite strategy you should pursue with me.
0: So, okay. We'll talk about Stevenson's Rocket later.
1: Okay, okay.
0: So, what do you think about this dry math reputation he has? Do you think his games are dry and mathy? No. I mean, to be fair, they're all numbers.
1: Uh, but but it's not heavy calculations. Like, yes, you can see the math in them, but when I am playing the games, I do not feel like I'm doing math.
0: Here's the thing I came up with that I wrote in my Battleline review, which you have not read, but you should, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because I think it is a good review. And I realized that what Reiner Canizia brings with his games isn't dryness, it's clarity. His games are very clear. There's no fat to them. I mean, above anything, he's like the ultimate editor. His games are so stripped down and to the point compared to other games that it's kind of remarkable.
1: I mean, I love that. And that's probably why I don't feel like I'm doing math, even when working with numbers. Because it uncomplicates what is normally very complicated. Yeah. Uh,
0: Yeah. And... You know, it's in this tradition of the German-style game, the German family game, uh, and he's kind of the one of the few really hanging on to that. Uh, there's him, there's uh, the brands, so the, the couple that designs the exit games, they mm-hmm. seem to do more of these German family-style games, and I think I've talked about this a couple of times before on the podcast, but when we think about Euro games... The original Eurogame. We, we when people mention Eurogames now, they think of mathematical and they think of uh, low randomness or no randomness and a good amount of complexity. But that's not what Eurogames originally were back in the nineties, early two thousands. The Eurogame thing was less luck, not no luck. I mean, the most famous Eurogame of all time is Catan, and that has dice. Yeah. Right. In card drawing. It has luck, like, fun. the fundamental mechanism of Catan is dice, uh, determining your resources. Uh, so less luck than, like, American-style, like, sorry or risk, which is, you know... All luck. All luck, pretty much. And eliminating player elimination, um, and a, a little bit more focus on growth rather than destruction. But also, the Eurogame thing was that they're family games. Like, the Spiel... The Spiel had to introduce a new category for more complex games because of what Americans and other countries and Europeans started doing, uh, particularly if you look at like Feld and Rosenberg uh, started doing to make the idea of your games more complex. So I think there's enough history here where we can define a split. Um, And in fact, I've conceived of a split in three different ways. Uh, of the Euro game you have the original like German family style game so that's going to be what Kinesia does a lot what the spiel likes uh, for the basic spiel is award typically uh, the what I'm going to call like the heavy the economic game uh, and that's going to be your more complex like no luck or super low luck brutal economic games so kind of coming from the splatter so the people who made Food Chain Magnate
1: I'm thinking Agricola.
0: Design. Yeah, I mean, Agricola kind of fits in there. You've got maybe maybe Power Grid is kind of the intermediary case between... Because when Power Grid came out, that was considered like a heavy game. But now we'd consider it a medium weight game. And I would say that's kind of like maybe indicative of like a transition point. Uh, and then the third category is what I call the Baroque Euro. And that's like the Lacerda or Feld style game where you have lots of moving parts, complex, uh, low luck, uh, but it's about mastering the game rather than mastering your opponents as much. And so with the economic style games, you get stuff like Container, 18xx games, and again, Power Grid's kind of a lighter version of that, or or Splatter games, uh, where it's much more uh, opponent-focused and much more uh, about battling your opponents and kind of brutal and unforgiving but not the, like, super, like, Gears within Gears style of the Baroque hero. Anyways, uh, Rainer Knizia makes German-style family games, uh, and he's so good at it. So, so good. In fact, of the 11 games I listed, the only one I really didn't like was Through the Desert. And to be fair, I did play that at four players, and I believe most people think it's best at two players, and I did play it in a... Uh, setting where a lot of people had drank a lot so maybe i would like it two players and more sober i don't know uh but i think uh babylonia takes a lot of the ideas of through the desert and maybe improves upon them that's the idea of uh what Reiner canizia typically does i wonder what his heaviest game is
1: is there a way to look this up
0: there is tigris and euphrates is his heaviest game
1: did we play that at some point
0: I've never played it
1: it sounds so familiar
0: it's a very famous game and it has a rating of 3.5 I mean Stevenson's rocket is not that difficult it's got a 3.06 so like his heaviest games are midweight games okay and very quickly you get to I don't know what's Taj Mahal the three uh you get. I mean, Babylonia is on this first page here. So he's making pretty light games. That's at a two and a half. He's making games around that basic light mm-hmm. uh, range, two out of five complexity range mostly. And I think he he's just so good at it because I think he, like you talked about, he has this balance of luck and uh, skill, but I think more than most light games, the balance is tipped towards skill.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, but they're fun and and I know what you're saying about theme and theme kind of taking second, second place to the math and maybe I agree with that because when I'm playing Lost Cities I don't feel like I'm an adventurer, but I do like the art. I think it feels... what's the right word? <clears throat> It feels like an adventure when I'm playing it. Okay. Not not super super thematic. It's more feeling like an adventure in an abstract way, but that's okay because it's kind of an abstract game.
0: Yeah. I, I think I it. think Lost Cities is actually one of his least thematic games, but I think the mm-hmm. idea that he is non-thematic, he he makes non-thematic games, I think is nonsense. I think he picks very appropriate themes for his games typically. I mean, you yeah. look at Battle Line. I talked about, again, you got to read my review, Amber. I don't tell you to okay, read many okay. of my reviews, but this <laughs> one I thought was quite good. Uh, <laughs> but in Battle Line, I think it feels like a battle. Yeah. It feels like the preparation and the execution of a battle. Because your first few plays are, you have no idea what's coming. Yeah. And you're just kind of poking around in like, uns- it's like that, that before the battle moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, where everyone's like uncertain and looking around, like what do we do? Yep. Are we ready? That's how the game plays out. And then in the middle, it's just a big old rush. And then towards the end, you got to be very precise and strategic about it to try to pull out the victory. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it has a nice arc. I think Lost Cities doesn't. I think modern art is obviously very thematic. Very. Modern art is is a is a, a satire. Yeah. It's a straight up satire of the art industry. And if that's not thematic, like what is? Like, how are we defining thematic if that is not thematic?
1: Oh, yeah, it was so thematic that the people we got to play it with us who don't ever play board games were into it. They felt like ruthless art dealers doing crazy things to manipulate the price of the art. And they said it felt very real. A um, little bit. Like how art plays out in the real world. Maybe not that, um, uh, what's the right word? Uh, I would just say, maybe not that aggressive, like, <laughs> like my younger sister likes to say.
0: <laughs> um, and even something like My City, like it's not super thematic, but it's got nice touches. Mm-hmm. Um, as we progress through the campaign, it's got, you know, you're building up, you're adapting to different things that happen. Uh, it's got little thematic touches in there uh, more so than a lot of other games and i think i'm just realizing this i think what it is is that canicia is never anti-thematic you never have the dissonance
1: yeah yeah i would agree with that
0: the biggest problem with so many games that are trying to be thematic like the big fantasy adventures with all these minis and like hundreds of unique cards and art and everything is that the mechanical connection to the game often not isn't isn't just like tentatively thematic or maybe even non-thematic it's anti-thematic in other words it is against the feelings and the decision making that you should have in that position Uh, It is the opposite, and it throws you out of the game, and it drives me nuts. drives me absolutely nuts. We just played a game a couple weeks ago that was like this. Which one? uh, Archangel? I forget. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm going to have a review of it up soon. But I would say almost an anti-thematic game. Mm -hmm. You're supposed to be this, this wizard slinging spells about, but it's all about, like, instead, your score is based on how much you're upgrading your spells rather than, like, actually utilizing your spells in any way, which doesn't really make sense. There's no, like, finale to it. Like, I can see where the score, uh, you know, the score being affected by how you upgrade your spells could be good if you then got to use those spells. But it's like, okay, mm-hmm. now you upgraded your spells, the game's over, and now we count how many spell points you got. Hmm. Uh, eh, drive me nuts. I don't think... I don't think Knizia, at least in the games I've played, are anti-thematic. There's some where, okay, through the desert, sketchy, lost cities, it's sure, there's not much going on there. Babylonia, maybe I can dig and find something. But uh, in Stevenson's Rocket in my city, even in Medici, or Quest for El Dorado, um, which you haven't played, like that one feels like an adventure much more than Lost Cities and has a similar theme of adventuring. And I think in Battleline and especially modern art are very thematic games. Mm-hmm. Modern art is. Battleline, it's got something going for it. And maybe this is just I'm the weirdo in how I think about theme.
1: Well, maybe you are i think i'm on board with your interpretation though because you're talking about dissonance it's something that resonates with me and i can't provide a concrete example i i would have to really think about it but here's how
0: i here's how i think about it. right Mm -hmm. a game a thematic moment in a game is when the decision presented to me like the what decision i have mirrors the decision that my character would have at that moment yeah or the type of decision i have
1: it just feels natural yes um i would say with the kinesia games i've played it it feels natural um, i'm going with the flow of the game everything makes sense it feels very satisfying it feels very engaging um, and that's definitely in contrast to some more thematic games that I've played where I can't remember the rules because the decisions don't make sense. And I, I'm i trying to think of the games that i played recently, but there have been several bigger ones recently that I've played with you where mid-game, I am like, that's a rule? And I get really angry with you. <laughs> well, I mean,
0: <laughs> that's also like complex games.
1: But it's because it doesn't make sense. And I'm going through the flow of decision making and it doesn't make sense. And I know that the rule was stated at some point, um, but I'd forgotten about it because it doesn't make sense with the theme of the game.
0: So with that said, I'm not saying he's the most thematic designer in the world, but the idea that he's like no theme at all is nonsense. Nonsense. He's better than many, many people. Let's talk about some specifics. Let's start at the top. Lost Cities. That is your favorite, right? <laughs>
1: I think it's my favorite. Um, I, I may have Battle Lines or Modern Art grow on me, but mostly it's my favorite because I win all the time. Did you tell all your podcast audience about our epic battle?
0: Oh, yeah. So if you're not subscribed to my YouTube channel, you should be uh, because uh, we have videos every once in a while. I got streams going, all that good stuff. And uh, Amber and I had an epic Lost Cities battle because at some point, was it on the podcast or was it just after a game or something?
1: It was randomly after you had just showed me your ratings on the Lost Cities online. Yes. Well, I had wherever. played Lost
0: Cities hundreds of times in preparation of writing this strategy article online. Online. I played over a thousand games over the years. And uh, I, I said, I think I could beat you now because you'd always beaten me before. You're very good at the game.
1: Always. I always won.
0: And said, No, I'm better than you now. And so we had a streamed match.
1: No, 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 no. no. What? You said you were better than me. And then I laughed and very confidently said no way, because even if you were the champion of online games, the experience is different in person, and I knew I would always win. Always. And so we went back and forth on Wait, this. is now
0: the thing that you will always win?
1: No, 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 no. I
0: only have to beat you in one match?
1: No, no, no. no. Win the game. You can win a couple of matches. You di- I think you did win... One. No, the match
0: is the set of games,
1: yes, yes. I will always win two out of three,
0: all right. Well, that's a lower <laughs> bar for me to cross. I just got to beat you two out of three once.
1: <laughs> you won't do it. Wow. we got do another we gotta do
0: another rematch. I can do it. Mm. I was at one point, I was the thirteenth or sixteenth. I forget. I was in the teens ranked player in the world.
1: okay. well, in board game arena in my opinion, it's a different experience in person because Lost Cities is one of those games where you are playing the person as much as you're playing the cards. And so, yes, it's very mathematical. You're calculating it out a lot. You're trying to determine the tempo. Um, but if you have two smart players who can count, like the two of us, it's all about manipulating the tempo. And to do that, you have to see how the other person is playing their cards. You have to see their face. It's part of the experience, and I think I will always win against Mark. I, I don't I don't say that I this would rise in the a, ranks online, but I will always win against Mark. an
0: incredible amount of confidence, and now I'm confident yes. that I can, I can overcome this.
1: Oh. Well, you should, you should all watch our online match, because it was very fun. Well, now there's
0: going to be a rematch in the next couple of weeks. Let's do it. Rematch. I don't know about a couple of weeks.
1: Maybe a couple months.
0: A couple weeks. couple months. I'm scheduling it. I'm going to put it on the calendar okay. right now.
1: Give me some time. It's I've played so st- many Reiner Kanetsia games over the last couple of weeks. You played
0: two <laughs> Reiner Kanetsia games, mm,
1: many rounds of <laughs> Battle Lines. That's true. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, anyways, Lost Cities. What do you think of it? I love it. Why do you love it?
1: Uh, did I just say why I love it? No,
0: you said why you were going to beat me. <laughs> Is that why you love it?
1: Well, okay, that's Victory? one reason. One reason, it definitely factors into why this is one of my favorites, because I feel like I can win it a lot. Um, But I think it's so, so simple. It's something you can play in five minutes. Um, It's something that I am almost always down to play, um, where the thought of playing a long heavy game sometimes means I won't play any game at all. This is one that I can often be convinced to play, um, and it doesn't take much prodding, It's very enjoyable, very light, very fun. And fast. And fast, yeah.
0: Not only the game is fast. You can get through a game in 10 minutes at most. uh, The plays are fast. You can just go back and forth, snappy, snappy. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I mean, online, you finish games in under two minutes.
1: Yeah. I mean, I've always really liked speed games, so maybe that is a big reason why I like this one. Um, I just find it to be a very pleasant experience all the time.
0: Yeah, it's a very good game, and then Battleline feels like a variation on it almost. And this is something that Reiner Knizia does a lot. He'll take an idea and he'll add, he'll 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 just make four or five games based around that idea. Uh, and and I think this is probably how those games. Are. Yeah, they were released a year apart, so I think mm-hmm. he was on this like what I call a column battle game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm coining this term because so there's a lot of them. I have like four or five. I have Lost Cities, I have Battleline, I have Hanami Koji, I have Airland and Sea, and I think there's a fifth, I n- am not remembering, Remember he, maybe one of the Buttonshy games, I forget. Hmm. Uh, But these like column battle games, where you're trying to win columns. I like them. Yeah, I think th- they're a very good design, but I think he kind of invented them. Uh, I think there's another one called Celtus, that is more similar to lost cities but uh let's talk about battle because we just finished playing it i Mm -hmm. think it's brilliant
1: this is one that mark has won far more times than i have won i
0: believe i have won seven out of ten games over the the last couple days
1: Yeah, yeah but in comparison to lost cities it's less about tempo there are there is some tempo management in battle lines but it's very restricted on what you can do there um, I think the reason that I win Lost Cities a lot is I'm really good at managing that against Marks specifically. um, And Battle Lines, I don't know. I don't know. Why do you think you win most of the time? Uh,
0: I think, I don't know. I think the, I, I don't know what the strategy is. I'm playing by my gut. But I think you have to, the better you can identify what's won and what's lost and what can still be fought over, Sooner uh you have a better chance. I've been doing a strategy where I try to go pretty broad in the beginning and not commit to too much, so you want to get more information before you start committing to cards and then once I've committed to a three card grouping, really going hard on those and trying to get you to where you uh lose tempo, so in other words, you can't play as many cards as you want in that column mm-hmm. and then by the end game that can maybe put you in a lurch uh but I, I i haven't i haven't solidified why i'm winning more here
1: yeah i've done some of that strategy as well and i always feel like i'm managing the cards well um and doing a bunch of different things so i don't know why you win that one more we'll have to explore that further to
0: explore that. there's a lot yeah. more in that game uh, let me just briefly mention the ones that Amber hasn't played. So, uh, the Quest for Eldorado, I found to be a pleasant game, but I found it more so to be a remarkable game in how uh, Reiner Knitschke basically set out to set, to make like the ultimate beginner's deck-building game. And then not only included really the fundamental basics of what makes deck-building fun but also a bunch of really clever mechanisms to actually teach people how to play deck builder games as you're playing the game. So for someone who's played hundreds of games of Dominion like me, it felt, you know, it was like, well, I've seen all this before. But if someone's never played a deck builder, that's the one to play because it literally just teaches you how to play deck b- builders as you're playing it, which is, which is really cool. And I do like the board aspect of it. Uh I think if you added a bit more complexity and I think there are expansions uh, I might like it a bit more. I, I thought it was quite pleasant but I wasn't itching to play again cuz it it was again a lot of concepts I'd played I'd played out a lot uh but very very impressive game. Through the desert like I said I wasn't super impressed but I can totally see why it would shine at 2 players in a multiplayer situation. I think we played with 5 uh if it accepts five. We played with the max player count I think. You said 4. It was four or five. Uh that kind of situation it felt fairly rote. Like you kind of knew what you needed to do. And then you said you don't remember playing Medici, but I'm pretty sure you played Medici the card game. Maybe. I've been told the base game the regular Medici is superior, but I I really like the card game. I think it's it's fun. I don't think it's great, but uh it's it's very simple again, like Kenizia distills games down to like to their essence. And it has two things. It has set collection in a really neat way, and it has push your luck. Uh, And that's kind of the two mechanisms he's playing with there, and I think he does a pretty good job of it. Uh, The first time I played it was a hoot. It was like late in the day, in the evening, at a convention. We played with the full six-player count, which is probably best. And the push your luck aspect gets an additional layer of momentum and excitement in a late night uh six-player game where everyone's challenging everyone else to be brave and not give up and you know go for the gold that kind of thing. Uh But uh, but again, like all of his games, a lot underneath the surface with Medici the card game. Uh, and I am looking forward at some point to playing the the base game because people have told me that's far superior. In which case, I'm very interested in. Oh, and then Stevenson's Rocket. It's brilliant. It's a tempo game. It's in And in, in Orion and I think Baba hated it when they played it.
1: I remember that They thought it was
0: so rote and boring and there were no decisions. They didn't understand, Amber.
1: Oh, I remember your discussions about that. They this. didn't
0: understand. They were giving me opportunities left and right. They weren't thinking it through. It appears like your decisions don't matter, but every decision, in fact, matters so much. It matters so much that it doesn't look like it matters.
1: Wait, so didn't you all podcast about this and discuss this? A
0: little bit, yeah. Did you
1: bring them over to your side, or are they still adamant?
0: I think maybe Bubba would play it again. I don't think Orion would play it again. Stevenson's Rocket is a game in which you want to put everyone... It's, it's a Zugzwing game. What's that? From chess. Zugswing? zugzwang situation in chess is a situation where none of your moves are good. It would be better for you to pass. Oh yeah, oh yeah. That's what Stevenson's Rocket is about. It's about putting all of your opponents in a situation where none of their moves help them, but they have to do something.
1: Mark, you're not selling this game. It's so good, Amber, it's so good. No one wants to be in that position.
0: (laughs) But everyone wants to put other people in that position.
1: Uh, It's it's tough. It's tough. It's so good. So I I definitely want to talk about, since you brought up chess, in this context and also in babylonia but just some some chess uh lessons uh that i brought over to the other games i just want to mention that as an aside you can keep going on stevenson's rocket
0: whoa you want to bring over chess lessons what oh you're saying you're going to return to this yes
1: i'm going to return to this that's what i'm saying. gotcha
0: okay uh so then we've got my city in babylonia left so let's talk about babylonia because we only played that once i think it has some very interesting ideas
1: yeah i would play it again i didn't love it um i have a hard i have a really hard time with these kinds of uh abstract board manipulation games where you're claiming spaces yes spatial stuff spatial stuff Yep, yep yep so the first Abstract games I learned as a kid were chess and checkers. I think, like, almost everyone. And I got good at them as a kid. And I think part of that was not really knowing what I was doing, but learning to recognize patterns. Um, And then as an adult, getting into additional abstract games, I would say, like, Babylonia, but also games that you showed me, um, like, Tech or even more popular ones, famous ones like Go um, just trying to get into that pattern recognition is so tough as an adult Um, and I don't really know why um, but Babylonia is one of those where I just didn't grasp what I was doing at all
0: Well someone who's played over 30 games of Go entirely against other Go newbies Mm -hmm. and has never won Uh, I, I totally understand with Go for sure Babylonia, I think you can play Babylonia two ways. You can play it real casual mm-hmm. or you can play it real intense. Mm-hmm. That's my impression after one play. Because you could play it casual and you could have fun getting points here and there and seeing how it plays out. If you really wanted to, you could sit there and really think through that game. Yeah. Because it's one of those games where the whole game leads up to the end state.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: In everything you do, needs to have the end state in mind if you really want to play well. I mean, Stevenson's rocket is like that to an extreme. If everything you're doing isn't trying to plan for the end game, and I'm just seeing you laugh here because <laughs> I just said something that makes you want to play the game less. <laughs> but with Babylonia, like the connections between your 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 locations and your your pieces are so important that everything from the very first, or, I guess, second move. Uh, has to take that into consideration or you can play it chill. And I don't know if there's any in between there. Yeah. I will say the graphic design in that game is not doing it any favors. The board is kind of dark and murky. It could have been way better. Uh, the pieces are fine but the board itself is is not good in terms mm-hmm. in graphic design terms. Uh, it's hard to see what's what. Yeah. Uh, which is a real bummer when you're talking about a spatial pattern game. <laughs> like uh like that. Yeah. But I think there's a lot of potential there. A lot there of is. potential.
1: There is. And I think the question is do I want to put the time into unlocking that? I mean, I would. With abstract games, I don't know. I feel like it to really get good and to really have a satisfying time, you have to play with people who have mastered the game first. Or you're never going to get good. I don't
0: think that's the case with this game. Really? I think it might be the case with like Go.
1: Well, I, I'm not saying this game is as complex as Go, for sure. But I also feel like playing in our in our friend group, where we've all played roughly the same amount of times, isn't really going to do any of us any favors. And may not make the game as engaging. because it's. I, one I feel of...
0: like on the second play, I'm going to have a... A, an immense, immensely better understanding of what to do. I don't. <laughs> oh <laughs> well, I think yeah, that's just our natural skill set. I think that yeah. you, you have struggle a bit more with the pattern, the the visual pattern recognition stuff. Mm-hmm. um Although, by calling it an abstract game, that brings in another part of my battle line review, which I again I thought was quite good, and you should read. <laughs> you Amber, and also you listening to the podcast. Is that I've realized that I don't think abstract is the opposite of thematic, and I think a no. lot of people consider it that to be you say that like it's obvious
1: well yeah, I don't know just, <laughs> be, just because you can't uh describe it in concrete terms doesn't mean it doesn't have theme,
0: but i think I think you know everything's abstracted, obviously every board game is abstracted,
1: but when you talk about themes in literature, they're all abstract, right. Like, yeah. There are all these abstract ideas. There's nothing... Like, it, theme isn't really... It, it, theme is not a particular word or sentence. It's not a particular set of words uttered over and over. Theme, theme is bigger than that. It, it is an overarching idea for the storyline. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That, that comparison really makes my point really obvious. Like, I should have thought of it Well, that's what years I'm saying. Ago.
1: The, the, abstract can be very thematic
0: we need to talk about these things more amber <laughs> i need to bring you my board game theoretical conundrums more often because you just made that sound very simple yeah obviously I mean, if it's abs- i mean even the most abstract game like even go is like clearly about like military strategy and mm-hmm. positioning uh and chess even more so it even mm-hmm. has militaristic pieces on the board uh but a lot of people i think they conceive as abstract and thematic as Two ends of a spectrum, and I don't think that's true at all. Hmm. Um, I think, and what I think is, as I said before, and as I wrote in my review, if you abstract really well, it can bring clarity to the theme. Now, in Babylonia's case, yeah, I don't think it's—I <laughs> don't think it's that thematic. It's—it's it's mildly thematic, I guess, with this idea of like trying to claim uh, fertile land and something like that i don't know
1: i think it made sense sure it's not something where i am overjoyed with the theme or think it's super interesting but it made sense
0: but i mean it does have in terms for people to think of theme as a matter of aesthetics i mean it is more aesthetically specific than some Mm -hmm. of his other games yeah but i don't think that's what theme is at all Uh, but babylonia a lot of potential I think could be very, very good. I'm glad I got it. I got it on uh, Dan Thoreau's slash a.k.a. Space Biff, uh, his recommendation because he named it, I believe, his game of the year for last year or one of his games of the year. Mm. I don't think he actually ranks his games of the year. He has this whole production he does over a week, but that one seemed like his favorite, uh, and so I, I definitely put it on my list, and I can totally see why. Finally, let's talk about My City. Knezia's, I believe, is first and only legacy game. And it's such a Knezia thing to do where legacy game is all about, so far, I mean, there's only a handful of legacy games, but most of them are all about, like, stories and uh, almost RPG-ish stuff. And he takes legacy and he just makes a puzzle game mm-hmm. and every round you get a little couple of tweaks to it couple of tweaks to the puzzle to bend your brains in different ways uh it's a very kinesia thing to do to make it like the most minimalistic legacy system possible
1: i love it i love it because it takes some of my favorite games like the crew or other games where you're solving a puzzle either together or individually and it it builds so that the puzzle is new and interesting every time and you have some background and some history on it um, but it's also kind of a new challenge every time so i love it. it i don't think of it as a legacy game like pandemic legacy or any of the big ones like that um but my city has been such a pleasure to play so every joyful. time it's joyful it's so yes. joyful and fun mm-hmm.
0: You're just you're just putting the pieces together,
1: and we keep playing it. Like that's the I mean, thing. last it's... time we played,
0: we played six games, seven games in a row. Yeah, it's
1: not one of those games that you necessarily want to put down. It's not like a chapter is concluded. It's always instead you're looking for the next puzzle or seeing what's coming your way next, um, and kind of filling with the pieces and making it work. It's fun.
0: Yeah, I think we're now halfway through the campaign. I think it's twenty four different games. Uh, each one's maybe what forty, thirty, forty-five minutes long.
1: If that are they like twenty minutes?
0: No, I think they're I a bit know. longer than. Okay, I, I'd okay. say maybe thirty minutes.
1: It doesn't feel even that long. No, but. I mean,
0: but last time we I mean, we sat there and played six games in.
1: A few yeah, hours. Yeah, I think three hours.
0: Yeah, three three and a half hours. And yeah, it presents you this this uh, uh polyomino puzzle, so Tetris style pieces. Uh, on your little individual player board, everyone at the in the very first game, everyone's got exactly the same situation because you just flip over a card to see what piece you're playing. Got to play that piece, and then as the game progresses, little every every time you get a new little nuance, and it's so smart in that. Ninety percent of what's happening you've already done before, and you feel like you've done well at, or at least pretty well at. And then there's just a little wrinkle in it to make it a little bit more annoying, so you yeah. never feel like you're perfecting. Yeah, but you feel like you're really close.
1: Well, and <laughs> and some rounds you do get close to perfect. Um, there there have definitely been rounds when me or Ben feel like we have done really really well and it's near perfect. But then the next round you might be in last place because you you place the puzzle pieces how you thought they should go and you just guessed wrong or you didn't strategize correctly or luck was not on your side just something happened um and And it does feel feel like like
0: it's ramping up a little bit but i don't think it's going to get too wild in the second half of the legacy campaign
1: well i thought using half the board was wild enough (laughs) spoilers amber spoilers okay yeah spoilers.
0: But yeah, it's just so, it's so pleasant to play. The artwork Mm -hmm. is very good. Cosmos did a great job with the production on this. Mm -hmm. Looks fantastic. I will say it has my one legacy game pet peeve. That whenever or if ever I make a legacy game, I will never, never, never include, but it's been in every legacy game I've played, all three of them. And that is the very first thing you have to do in the game is name something.
1: Oh, yes. I hate that part. I gave it Designers. my own name because I don't like naming things.
0: Designers, don't do this. I know that if you name something psychologically, you feel like it's, you're more psychologically attached to it. I understand the studies and I understand the thought behind it. Have a little bit of the game so you can get some attachment and some interaction with the thing you're naming and then make them name it.
1: Yes, Mark, but but Mark, you're saying this, and you do know that this is also my philosophy on children, right? Wait, what? I'm just saying. When we have a kid, maybe we should wait it's, a couple months to name it's
0: it. so 19th century. <laughs> Amber.
1: But it makes so much sense.
0: No, they only did that back in the day because the life expectancy was so low. You had like a 20%, 30% chance your kid wouldn't live to two years old.
1: That was probably the predominant theory. But, but I that's bet you what happened. But I bet you that some other people really thought that the name must reveal itself once you get to know the kid just a little bit.
0: I'm pretty sure they don't let you leave the hospital until you've signed the birth certificate with a name.
1: Some parents give placeholder names. We could give the child one of but our then names. You gotta, don't
0: you have to like Don't you then have to like submit a form?
1: Yeah, you have to do a name change and all of that.
0: All right, well y- if you want to do this whenever we have kids
1: we'll talk about it
0: this is very weird to bring up for the first time in the podcast well
1: i'm just saying like i did the same thing with my cat i waited yeah, we like had to
0: threaten you
1: three months to name her <laughs>
0: we had to threaten you with naming the cat a ridiculous thing in order to get you the name to get ca- the cat
1: but you gave me time that's the key you know how long it
0: took me to name my cat like an hour <laughs> yeah he look like a little mouse so i named a mouse
1: but my cat needed a regal name.
0: And I gave you a list of hundreds of regal names.
1: And I had to look through them and pick <laughs> the right one.
0: Oh gosh, this is terrifying.
1: No, I'm saying that what you're saying right now, this naming philosophy. What are we gonna call
0: the baby? Extends. Child to life. Hello, son.
1: Baby Mark. Baby Amber. We have options, Mark.
0: No! <laughs> this is very weird. <laughs> I don't like it. I'll just name the child.
1: But the thing with the kid is you have nine months. But you but you don't like you will not have held the child during those nine months.
0: It's a baby. It has no personality. How are you supposed to get like a little cat has like a a personality and a thing. A little baby has nothing. It just lays there and gawks.
1: They have personalities and looks and cues. It'll look kinda
0: like us mark what? <laughs>
1: you're very scared right now i can tell <laughs> i'm befuddled more
0: than anything amber
1: but what you just said about games it applies to all of life yeah
0: well now i'm uh, designers make them name everything up front everything have them open all the boxes <laughs> name everything that needs to be named first thing don't get any, any ideas in your head regarding naming name things you get attached to them the end okay okay anyways my city uh it's very good (laughs) (laughs) what happened (laughs) i know this podcast is known for tangents but that that was that's that one got me and i'm usually the one who instigates the tangents
1: well i'm i'm glad that i could surprise you a little bit (laughs) what do
0: we talk about next what are we talking about what's (laughs) happening Where's Rainer Knizia to save me?
1: Don't worry, Mark. Okay, let's talk about modern art because... I thought we did
0: talk. Do no, I skip
1: over modern art? We have not talked about modern oh, art. We, we need go. to talk about modern art. It's very good. Mm-hmm. The end. Very good. Mark, <laughs> has, all the, has all thought left your brain? Yes. Based on our tangent? Yes. <laughs>
0: Take it away, Amber.
1: I'm sorry, Mark. I'm sorry. All right. Modern art. In modern art... You, and I'm probably going to misexplain the theme, but you are an art dealer who is trying to put forth pieces to manipulate the price of the up-and-coming artists that you want to see make it, um, and while you're simultaneously buying and selling um, from your portfolio and from other people's at the game tables portfolios. Uh, and you want to end up with the most money at the end. You want to be the most successful art dealer. Mm. Um, It's really interesting, because you are kind of pitting yourself against the other players at the table, and I feel like this is a game where you play the other players far more than you actually play the cards. Um, There's a lot of... People manipulation going on in this. Oh, game. there's
0: so much game theory in mm-hmm. this. Yep. And this is one where I think, I mean, for Kandinsky, he went a little wild. He went a little crazy in modern art, mm-hmm. right? You can you imagine? I don't know if you've seen reiner Kandinsky. Here, I'll show you his picture. Where'd he go? Oh, he looks fairly normal there. Usually, he looks very
1: normal. Imagine <laughs> that with, with
0: wearing like a polka dot bow tie.
1: That's okay, that's always so, his
0: look at conventions, I think. So
1: normal, but a little bit fun. Okay.
0: And a little cheeky grin and mm-hmm. a little German accent. Yeah. You, you imagine him in his, his modest, you know, uh, pragmatic German way. And he's like, hoo-hoo. I'm going to put four different kinds of auctions in this game. <laughs> I'm going to go a little crazy today. Uh-huh. <laughs> I wonder what they'll all think of me. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that's what he did. He put four different types of auctions in the game. And it's mm-hmm. the wildest he's ever been.
1: Yeah. and the, That the, I've seen. The type you, of auction that you... Again, I've only
0: played 3% of his games. Yeah.
1: But you get to decide which type of auction you offer up. And oftentimes, that decision... Even if one type of auction... If everyone around the table was a normal, reasonable person... Would clearly be one option... If the person sitting to your immediate left you think you know what choices they're going to make. You can offer up a crazy random auction that makes sense to you, but that's going to blow their minds. Look, am so mad at you. Mm-hmm. I played this with one of my sisters. There was much yelling and screaming. Um, there wasn't that much. There was. There was.
0: Wait, was this without me or are you talking about the last time we played?
1: This was with uh, Deborah and Danielle. Yeah,
0: it wasn't that much.
1: Okay, well... I thought there
0: was. I mean, but... perhaps for a Kanita game, there was. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's just so much game theory in that. And, and, and it, it reminds me a little bit, and this is going to be a weird comparison, but it reminds me of Downforce. What? In Why? that, because whoever takes the early lead, if you go along with that and try to piggyback on the early leader you're like guaranteeing for yourself second place, right? So if I one person- I need to
1: play more Downforce. If
0: one person, oh, it's my biggest, I think Downforce is brilliant, but no one plays it right. and it, it made me stop playing online. I can't do it. With Downforce, right? Here's what happens in Downforce. One person gets ahead, everyone bets on them, and then everyone helps them win. That only makes that person win the game. Yeah. You have to play the spoiler in Downforce.
1: Well, I'm a contrarian and I always bet on my own cars, but Okay. Okay. <laughs>
0: well then you'll win sometimes and sometimes you won't. Uh but you have to play the spoiler. You can't just latch onto the person doing the best because then mm-hmm. you just lose to them. Yeah. In modern art, right, if someone scores and gets like two of a particular artist and maybe the next person throws out that same artist, right? The two players or the three players who haven't played, they're in a position where each of them individually could try to piggyback on that. But if they do that, they're just playing for second place because yeah. the person who got to that artist first is going to be the victor and you're just helping them win more. Mm-hmm. The, the remaining people have to play the spoiler and try to undermine that play. Mm-hmm. But it's this game theory situation where you have to... The incentives, if you really think about it, are about collaborating with the other players uh, uns, unspoken. Uh, rather than just playing, oh, this is going to be the most valuable play I play it. You have to think about the future and how it, how it mm-hmm. changes the behaviors of other people, how it influences other people. Uh, and that's why it reminds me of Downforce, and that's why it's a brilliant game. Mm. Um, and also, like we talked about, mentioned at the beginning, super thematic, in that it, it is a satire. Because it is a game in which the value of the art is nothing until that art is bought and sold, it is a satire of kind of manipulation in the art industry yeah i think some people go too far and be like it's a satire of capitalism but the fact that value is subjective is like a truth it's not about capitalism it's about specifically art dealers and how they do things to try to massively inflate the perceived investment value of the art that they're selling and that kind of stuff through this weird hype game and system uh, which uh, yeah sure yeah that that's right for for satire. Um, it
1: also applies to a whole lot of other things. Sure. But, but I think
0: yeah. that most. Of, I mean, our, the art dealer world is so weird. <laughs> it is so weird.
1: I don't know anything about it.
0: Oh, it gets real weird. <laughs> um, there was that super unsuccessful Netflix movie. Remember that weird horror movie about it?
1: I saw this. It was a bad movie. Yeah, I don't remember the name. Although of that. all
0: the all the cool scenes are in the trailer, so you can watch all the best parts oh, in two minutes. Oh, that's right. That's right. And then you don't have to worry about the rest of the movie. Literally, mm-hmm. the whole movie is in the trailer. That's right. So uh, that's a nice shortcut for uh, a movie that had some interesting ideas but really failed. I can't remember the name of it. It was, a, I think, it was a Netflix original. Mm-hmm. Anyways, Modern Art, great game. I mean, I think my three favorites right now are Modern Art Battleline and Stevenson's Rockin'. and any of those could be my number one Canaria game on any given day. Throw Lost Cities in there; that could be my number one at any point. Uh, they're all—they're all just great games.
1: Yeah, my top three are definitely Lost Cities. Battleline has quickly become one of the top three, and I think it's kind of a toss-up between Modern Art and My City. But I think My City is currently winning out. Okay. Um,
0: yeah. I'm curious. I, I hope My City gets a little more crazy. But not a lot more in the we'll second see. half of the of the campaign. And I hope it finishes in a good spot in terms of continued play. I'm curious. I'll be fine if we finish our 24 games and then we're kind of done with it. But mm-hmm. uh, I'm curious how good it ends up for continued play. Uh, anyways, that's Reiner Knizia, at least right now. I'm sure in a couple of years, I will have played more Knizia games than maybe we can do a part two on this. Because obviously, like I said before, he has over 600 games. I looked it up, I think 622 games as of right now. That includes ex- expansions and such, but I don't think he's much of an expansion person. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's mostly full-fledged games, uh, which is pretty remarkable. The Good Doctor, Reiner Knizia, what a guy, what a designer. I can't really speak to him as a person, but he seems nice in the interviews I've seen him in. Maybe next time I'll be able to, I'll I'll try to contact him. It's not like I tried to contact him. I just figured I couldn't get him and uh, got Amber instead.
1: No, this is an informal podcast.
0: Last minute podcast to try to get something out. Mm -hmm. Uh, But this was fun. Thanks for podcasting with me, Amber.
1: Of course. Even though I
0: kind of dragged you into it.
1: I'll do it again sometime. You just always have to drag me into it. Everyone
0: loves you, Amber. Every podcast you're on, they're always talking.
1: Well, I enjoy they it. They like your insights. I enjoy it. I just don't play as many games as you.
0: Very true. <laughs> uh, and more sane because of it. Except for the, the that naming thing. I don't know what's up with that. <laughs> Anyways, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, go ahead and check out thethoughtfulgamer.com. If you haven't by now, read that Battleline review because I want you to. You can support this podcast by going to Patreon.com. You can also find me on social media at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And you could find Amber on social media if you got real stalkery. Yeah, don't, don't do that.
1: Don't do that. I haven't maintained an account in, what, six years? Amber's
0: a rational don't do person. Uh, don't try to find her. Whereas I'm I'm all over the place. I'm, I'm on social media left and right. It's mm-hmm. driving me nuts. Now I got like social media combined with other social media. I figured out... How to post to Facebook and Instagram simultaneously. It's great. It's pretty soon. It's going to be all automated and I will never have to look at it again. Anyways, I'm on social media. Uh, Don't forget to rate and review the podcast. Thanks for listening, everybody. Goodbye.
1: Bye.